You're listening to Consolidate That. Welcome back to Consolidate That. Ivan, I am very excited. I always love having guests, but I enjoy our fireside chats one-on-one together and looking forward to talking to you today. Good to see you, Ryan, too, especially after our uh, trip to Mexico for strategic planning. That was exciting. So good to remind myself that you are tall because I keep thinking you're short. (laughs) Yep. And you're very muscly. So, you know, people don't know that about you. (laughs) They should see that. And you know what? The other thing is there's a lot of very tall people on our team. If everyone's been working remotely, you should all do like a stand up and stand back from the camera thing. (laughs) Like when you rob a convenience store or something with one of those little (laughs) measuring sticks. But speaking of measuring sticks, okay, (laughs) we're going to talk about continuous learning today. And so, and the things that you need to measure and use to make that successful. So the reason I wanted to talk to you about it today was because we've had some great policies or ideas around continuous learning in some of the different organizations that, that you and I have been in together from VIS to Galaxy Vets to the things that you've done at SmartFlow. And I'd love to just get your insight and thoughts on how organizations at scale can go about fostering a continuous learning environment. Yeah, no, that's a great topic because we talked to quite a few consolidators that provide continuous education. And so on consolidator operating framework that we created, there's sort of an artifact on the lower right corner, continuous learning, so you can read about it. We're going to expand it a little bit based on this conversation. But I think there's a big difference between the continuous education, what everybody calls, mm-hmm. and continuous learning culture. So let's let's try to parse those two things. So continuous education is sort of known by everybody thing that some professionals have to do. Most jurisdictions and I think or all visionary boards and states and provinces in Canada, they require continuous education. Certain amount of hours so you keep up with the profession. Some are more strict about it, some are less strict. But the desire to continue learning, I'll just give my own example. So during the first maybe five years of my career, I was very excited to go to conference, learn new things. And then after five years, I think it kind of, you know, every conference you go to, there's not really much new stuff. So so you kind of, you know, look for more opportunities to learn new things. And, and I think it may tie more to our conversation of goal setting. So let's let's talk about that a little bit and then how that rolls into actually how do you build a continuous learning culture? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. It's a good point that you make. It's a lot different than how to get people CE credits, because I I know that like with my wife being a realtor, even she has, I have a mailer here about her being up to date or needing to be up to date on her CE credit. So she needs to sit through a title policy rule for four hours just to keep her license. But, you know, going to a course at Stanford and learning negotiations or developing a second language skill, those sort of things I think are, are what we want to talk about with continuous learning. So following a passion but not just making it completely random or unbridled. Yeah. So one thing that we see a lot from consolidators that they all provide continuous education because veterinarians love to learn. And that is true, but I don't think veterinarians are very good at structuring that. So most of the job offers that you see on the market, it's like we offer X amount of dollars or you know Y amount of dollars for continuous education, but it's not really structured. And I think that 
this is something that there is a huge opportunity and it does tie back to the goal setting that we've discussed in various environments that leads to burnout. So veterinarians are very determined people and the reason why they like to learn, I think there's a couple of reasons why they like to learn. It's one, it's a sort of special type of people that are selected through the process of entering into the vet school. Second, I think that this is sort of one of the ways to hide from reality. Unfortunately, I'll say that because that kind of blocks you for, you know, 10 plus years of just, you know, becoming a perfectionist, which is not necessarily a great thing. And perfection is sort of a fear of trying new things. And I think that what happens as a part of the burnout is that they're on this trajectory for 10, 15 years becoming a veterinarian. They're, you know, they're continuously learning things. And then they gain this crazy momentum of goal achievement, which is becoming a veterinarian. And then immediately after they graduate, there's no more goals. You're basically, you're it. You became a veterinarian, then you're nine to five poking vaccines. If you didn't choose to go to internship or additional residency, your goals are over. And if you're not setting them properly, I think that's one of the reasons for burnout in early stage careers, veterinarians. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And I think that works for veterinarians, veterinary technicians, anyone that's feeling kind of burnt out in their day-to-day job. But, you know, because there's, if you have that desire to keep learning, you want to be able to tap on that and keep moving forward. So what, what's a way that you think that consolidators should look at implementing the opportunity for people to learn, whether it's an additional license, whether it's an additional skill that allows them to practice at the top of their license, how would you go about sort of encouraging people to do that and monitoring that? Well, I love that you took the approach in that question through structured, because not everybody wants to go to internship. I didn't. I was comfortable practicing in ER after graduation. And not everybody goes to residency. But at the same time, if your learning was structured in a way then you could sort of choose a little mini path, if you will. And there is a lot of right now research and startups in the educational sector that are promoting micro-learning. So micro-learning and micro-accreditation. We had a conversation with Patrick Welsh, who is an ophthalmologist and pivoted to invest his time and career into continuous learning and development within organizations. It sort of was, it started in, in ethos and then now it's a business on its own. But I think it's a brilliant idea. So if you're not at the moment aiming to gain an additional accreditation or go to for board specialization, but as an ER vet myself, it would be amazing if someone didn't just mentor me through every case I saw and said, okay, you have you have a spleen today that you need to remove, then tomorrow you have the chest that you need to tap, then you have the tympani where you have to tap the heart. Those are all cool. And if you have someone next to you who will teach you through it, but if it was structured, and gamified, I think that would give a better understanding of how you can advance your career without going for that board certification. So, for example, if an organization, Consolidator is a good organization to design that in, would have, let's say, ER VAT level one, two, and three. And then there are certain badges that you need to gain to become first level, second level, third level. And then those are the procedures. And there's there's an amazing new, well, it's not even new, but this startup in, from the UK that's called VetCT. So they allow to connect with the specialists remotely. And also they can guide you through a procedure. So if we could have a connection of ER vet with a certain badges that you need to get through procedures guided by the specialist, you can do it using that service. Once it's completed, you A, can be accredited through race accreditation for that time. 
B, you can get this badge and sort of understand that you're moving on to the, you know, level one, two, or three ER vet. And most important, you will get that satisfaction of achieving goals. The dopamine does continue flowing when you check those boxes. And that sets the goals without setting a huge goal. Not everybody wants to dive after, you know, 10 years of school into another five years of school. I didn't. So, (laughs) so I think that this micro accreditation with a micro learning, building up a micro goals would be a really good way of structuring education in the consolidation. You know, you had mentioned the idea of talking about micro accreditation and and micro learning earlier. And I was sort of you know, struggling to grasp it. But then I realized it's similar to what you would see if you were on a Duolingo, learning a a second language. I'm trying to do that now. And I learned, I earned my level one vocab badge. And then I learned my level one grammar badge. And then I learned my he, she, him, her badge so that I know the correct gender terms and all of those things. And it keeps coming back because at the end of each one, it's like, all right, come on now, can you finalize? You did all of these tasks. Can you finalize the badge and did you get it? And that would be cool because as people continue to learn and if they can monitor those things, you do have a really neat way to do it. And within a consolidator, I see it being a unique opportunity to be able to use those corporate-wide across the entire organization. So the neat thing would be as your doctors, as your technicians, as everybody even your front desk staff can learn a you know a billing badge so that they understand what credit card fees look like they can learn better ideas on that and if they want to utilize the entire group to move from you know Dallas to Phoenix and you have a different company there you know hey i need someone with this sort of badge to replace an employee that we moved to a different place and you can pick up a lot of things by having those that's kind of a neat idea. And I also think the other thing is it's probably a really good employee retention tool as well, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. If someone's in the middle of learning a new skill and they're enjoying that, they're probably less likely to feel burnt out. They're probably less likely to be looking for another position. They're probably enjoying what they're doing more. And so you're able to, you know, to keep your staff, which is a big thing right now. Well, and the other thing that is beneficial to these organizations that can provide the salary bends. So if you are acquiring a hospital and then you have, you know, 20 technicians in it, they're all technicians. And how do you know which one is paid more, which one is paid less? So if you develop your micro-credential structure, the way that it's associated with salary bends, then A, you don't have to keep people on commission, which is everybody's trying to do, the pro sell or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. The veterinarian who is trying to you know, charge more clients, I'm sure that this is great to earn more money. But then that's what leads to burnout because you're continuously trying to charge more for potentially unnecessary services. Then you feel bad. Then you have economic euthanasias. And then all of that leads to nowhere. So if you have the goal within the organization to A, become more educated, B, continuously you're gaining those credits that you need for the association, and then C, your salary band depends on your knowledge, not on how much you gouge the client. So I think that that all creates a great structure. And then in a properly formed organization, then you can create the whole career letter. And that is the benefit of consolidation because in one clinic, Potentially, I can slice, you know, in in a smaller clinic, it will be like technician is a technician is a technician. 
in a bigger specialty hospital, you can have one, two, three anesthesia specialized or something else. If you're a consolidator, you can grow beyond that and then add, you know, accounting courses or some business aspect of it. And if I want to move to another state, just like you said, or another location, I could be that accredited person within the organization to carry the message and training to others. So that is one of the benefits of consolidation that is hugely overlooked. I mean, larger organizations, I know Mars is doing that. I don't know if NVA is doing any of those programs. But if you'll think about, we talked to one of the consolidators and, you know, they said we have like 80 north of 80 hospitals. And the huge driving feature of our organization for sale of your practice to us is that we provide tons of CE. Well, when it's not organized, then yeah. CE to me is like a vacation that I can tell my wife that I have to leave house for a week because I have to go to the conference where I have to get these CE credits. In fact, I'm going to go to, you know, hang out with my buds at the conference, not even go to lectures, just get the signature and then hang out at the bar in the evening. I mean, I have mm-hmm. tons of friends that are doing that. It's sort of like an excuse to leave home and yeah. then to to hang out, which is nothing bad with that if that's your thing. But it doesn't serve the purpose of CE. So you are, as a consolidator, wasting money of providing this capital for them to go. They're not getting more educated. They're not getting more engaged with the organization. There is no gamification that keeps them within competing with each other. It serves no purpose. And then I think that this is something that if you provide it as a continuous learning culture, it has to be structured and systematized. So I want to come back to that and I want to hit on one other thought. So with your background with with SmartFlow and with BIS, even the software components that would be built there, you obviously have hired developers. And when I think about development and the technology side of things, I think there's a lot of this sort of learning that happens within tech development and tech developers. It's one of those jobs that's kind of interesting where you can generally like give them a test to take before they apply for the job and you go, okay, you, you say that you can code in Python and you can do this, you can do that. Okay. Here's a task, knock it out. Oh, you couldn't make the dog walk backwards on the screen. Okay. That's obviously you should have been able to do that. Do you think that you could have people sort of testing in or testing out of levels to be able to, as you're acquiring a clinic and then sort of get them set up to be able to like we're always talking about trying to get people working at the top of their license, but having them test in and out of, of abilities there and then move on from different badges. Absolutely. I mean, that's great that you mentioned that because when you're buying a hospital and if you have a tech that worked there for 25 years, you have an assumption that that's a professional that has acquired skills, you know, to the top of their license. But when you dig in, it might not be the case. So to provide the top dollar for this position, and you know, I'm always advocating for paying the highest price on the market so you can retain the talent, but how do you identify on which market this person is? So definitely this is directly then linked for post-acquisition assessment of skills and the levels, because you can A, justify the pay or raise it if you need to. B, you can clearly outline the trajectory because when people are moving into the new organization, especially if they don't provide equity to employees, then you're A, scared you're going to lose your job. B, you have certain agreements with the previous owner. And going back to our you know, triggers of burnout, then there's a sense of unfairness is one of the huge triggers. So if you work really hard to you know, gain certain knowledge and certain skills, and then all of a sudden the owner sold the practice, and then now it's not appreciated 
that testing definitely needs to happen. It shouldn't happen at the time of acquisition. You're going to lose all people. But the special period of stabilization that we're advocating for in our consolidated operating framework is crucial for that. Because A, you understand the skills of people. B, you understand how willing they are to learn or to develop further. That's another huge thing. If you're buying a clinic and you're just advertising, we're going to provide CE to everybody and everybody's burned out. I don't want to learn a thing when I'm burned out. I want less yeah. work, yeah. better environment, and I don't want to learn. So when you're going with those thesis and just blanket throw them, you know, we're going to give you money to go to conference. I don't want to go to conference. I want more people. I want better workflows and I don't want software that's glitchy. So these are the things that you really need to assess. And that's why I'm advocating for that stabilization period where you actually insert some professional with a psychology degree and they actually can assess these people for rate of burnout, readiness to change, their level of educational micro-credentials within a certain position. Then after that, you have the full picture where you can start implementing change. And then you know that they're ready to change, people with the mindset to change. And if there's people that don't have that mindset, maybe they should leave. And I know it's scarcity of, of the talent right now, but if you have the right formula for people to work post-acquisition, then the right people will stay and there will be more people that will join your organization. That's great. So all of that sounds great, but it also sounds expensive yeah. and difficult to manage. So I know we're going to, I think I'm going to jump the gun a little bit and say a book that we want to recommend to people is The Rules of No Rules, which is the Netflix book. They talk in there about the no expense policy policy, and they hit on that as far as continuous learning and continuous improvement and the things like that. How do you think you could utilize that for a group if you were trying to roll this out at a consolidator? Well, I think it's like anything with consolidator. The first part is that everything is expensive in the first, you know, year because you are trying to accumulate your cash flow to invest into the infrastructure. And that's the biggest dilemma. I mean, I think I'm talking about in our core video on the top of the VIS website that the dilemma is that you're saving money and trying to shrink your corporate EBITDA during the development phase while you're buying the hospitals, but then don't implement change. Park them in the stabilization mode, accumulate the cash flow, and then using that develop these systems because if you can't afford building it then you shouldn't and the outcome that we've now know you know what's the upside of building consolidation in the private equity world this is like the least invested area the continuous learning and learning and development least invested area but then everything stems from there so I love the policy of rules of no rules we have that policy in VIS we've talked about it and then basically, if someone wants to become better at what they do or learn something they want to do different or different position within the organization, it will benefit. I mean, that's an investment in the future. So we have a policy of, I think that there should be skin in the game. You shouldn't just blanket cover all education. So the way we do it at VIS, we cover 75% of any initiative the person wants to take. They want to do a $1,000 course, they have to pay two fifty. dollars If they want to do $10,000 course, well, two and a half grand is on them. But that motivates them and keeping the skin in the game. That's probably a second book that I would like to recommend here is by Nicholas Taleb, Skin in the Game. They allow one book per... Guests are allowed to <laughs> recommend two. Okay. Can we do one each? each? You, do, you do no rules of no rules. Mm, and I do okay, all right. I'll, just because we don't have any guests, no one can hold our feet to the fire. And our, our producer is not even on the episode with us today. So we can do whatever we, we want. 
Yeah. So I think that's a great rule. I mean, obviously there has to be a budget for this and, and calculated, but I think this is not something that should be overlooked because this is one of the main points of people burning out because they are doing the same stuff over and over without moving from their position and then they hate their job. So if you can circulate them, if you can have the accumulated knowledge within your organization and then build on it new skills, I mean, that is probably the goal of every organization. I think, where was it? My wife, she was working for Roche and they were doing uh, fourth phase testing of the oncology drugs. And their rule was that they assessed everybody for how much more you learned in this year. And if you didn't learn anything else and just sat on the same position with the same skill set, you were fired. You need to continuously develop your skills and prove to management, this is what I learned this year and this is how I apply it to my job. Yeah, that's great. I think the other thing too, if you're trying to, if you're listening and you're an executive at a consolidator and you're trying to justify what the expenses are to investors, it's probably similar in the way that you can't look at the EBITDA of each individual practice that you're acquiring. You need to look at the corporate EBITDA. You need to look at what the overhead costs are. You need to look at the cost of burnout and the cost of employee turnover and see these things as not just a expense, but they are a major component in retaining, attracting, and you should also be able to do higher skill, higher value procedures and work within the clinics. So it's, it is an expense, but it should be one that's looked at as an overall positive for the growth of the business too. Absolutely. I think we ran out of time. We should be yeah. being honest to our uh, listeners. So we're through 20 minutes. I love the topic. So thank you for bringing this up. So continuous learning rather than continuous education, you know, spotty continuous education is a mm -hmm. great model and the unit that needs to be designed within every consolidator from the get-go. Well, Ivan, always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com.